Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we are glad that you have joined us. Please follow us on Instagram at Sean Gaby and at Supernatural Leadership Podcast and or visit kingdomculture.ca or seangaby.com for more engaging content around topics we will be discussing. As well, you would love it if you would leave a review on this podcast as it helps boost our ability to get this content out to more people. If you are new with us today, just want to inform you that we will be releasing a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month and every so often a bonus episode. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with every episode. There are so many great leadership podcasts out there and truthfully, I love so many of them. So why supernatural leadership? Really, it's the difference between presence and principle as we discuss in episode one. The very first episode of this podcast really sets the tone for the why and purpose for this podcast. I would encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. Simply put, we believe everyone has a leader within them at some capacity. Whether you're a CEO, non-for-profit director, media mogul, church leader, pastor, small business owner, manager of teams, a dad, a mom, and well, the list could go on. If everyone has a leader within them, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? That's the heart and goal behind this podcast, helping you connect your natural with God's super, making your leadership a little more supernatural. At the end of every episode, there will be practical activations and exercises to help us grow and mature in the various areas discussed. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of our Supernatural Leadership Podcast. My name is Sean Gaby, and this podcast is all about helping you, the leader, become a little more supernatural. For today's episode, we have a very special guest with us, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she's going to be sharing about her new book coming out March 2nd, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple, Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, stress, and toxic thinking. And honestly, this is something that we all need as leaders, the tools to stay clear-minded in a time and a season where it's so easy to be cluttered up. Now, we actually did an interview with Dr. Caroline Leaf in 2020 around the topic of getting unstuck in the mind. You know, it's it, we've been in a season during a pandemic where so many people are stuck They're stuck with a mental mess in their mind. And if you want to hear that chat, which was a powerful one, uh, you can watch the full episode on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash kingdom culture. Check it out. It's a powerful, powerful time, powerful conversation with Dr. Caroline Leaf. If you don't know who Dr. Caroline Leaf is, she is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and PhD in communication pathology and a BSc in logopoietics. Hope I got that right. Specializing in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. Since the early 1980s, she has researched the mind-brain connection, the nature of mental health, and the formation of memory. She's one of the first in her field to study how the brain can change, which is neuroplasticity, with directed mind input. So welcome, Dr. Caroline Leaf, to the Super Natural Leadership Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing so well, Gay. And Sean, it's so nice to see you again. It's nice to see you too, and thanks for yeah. coming on. And I'm excited to dive into 
what this new book is all about. Because I believe that as supernatural leaders, we need to have clear minds. We need to get rid of the the mental mess. And I know you said it in some of the breakdown of your new book, which I haven't read yet, but I've read some of the summary. It's great. Sounds amazing. Looks amazing. Excited to read it. But one of the things that you say was that it's normal and, no, and nothing to be ashamed of for every person at, a t- at, at some time in their life to go through a process of feeling like their mind is a mental mess. And this is what your book is all about. And so I just want to say, first of all, thank you. I love what you do. I love your practice. You've been doing this for 38 years, helping people around the world. And that's a long time. So I know you've learned some stuff. So let's just dive in at the forefront. And I want you just to tell our listeners today how the content of your new book relates to helping them become a little more supernatural in their leadership. Well, that's a, thank you, Sean. That's a, a great question because the and the simple answer is if you're human, which you are, you have a mental mess. So no one's exempt. So that's the nice part to know is all of us are living with varying levels of a mental mess because it's basically our mind. And when we talk about a mental mess, you're talking about the mess we make with our mind. So we need to probably begin at the beginning in order to answer that question, which is understanding what mind is very briefly and understanding the difference between the mind and the brain and the fact that you can actually control your brain. Because I've spent the last 38 years researching, as you mentioned, the mind-brain connection. And my, my overriding question or overarching philosophy or question was, what is the mind? What is what is a thought? What are memories? What does it mean to capture a thought? What does it mean to fix up your mind? What is the relationship with the brain and the body? And can the brain change? And all those questions. Because I was trained in an era where they we were told literally by our professors, it was the philosophy in the 80s that the brain could not change. And that didn't sit right with me. So I started my research early on showing that, well, if you can get your mind right, if you can understand your mind and use your mind and deliberately and intentionally direct the way that you are using your mind, you will influence brain and then influence body. And that's what I've shown. So this book is an accumulation of 38 years of research, 25 years of clinical practice. I just recently did a set, another set of clinical trials. So it's the most updated version of my work. As a scientist, we should constantly be growing and learning new new things. And in it, I showed how powerful our mind is, how to use it, and how easy it is to get into a mental mess and how everyone does get into a mental mess. We don't have to be ashamed of that. And what we need to do is learn to manage our minds. So it's basically a book about cleaning up the mental mess is basically about mind managing and self-regulating which whoever you are whether you're a leader whether you're human as I said we battle with a mental mess but in terms of leadership Sean what's super important to understand is that through only three percent of leaders are actually talking about mind issues and mind is one of those things that and that's you know that's across the board not just in religious circles it's across the board it's in every every sphere and in terms of the church only four percent of the church are talking about mental health and that's really bad because they that means that the majority of people are not actually dealing with or talking about the thing that is actually always with you and when I, what I mean about that is that your mind is always with you. Your mind is yeah. with you when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you eat, when you sleep, when you talk, when you are interacting. Your mind is with you now. Your mind is with you as you're leading people. Mind is never mind never stops. So mind is how you think 
and feel and choose. It's those three things. As you think, you feel, and as you think, you feel, you choose. That's your mind. And your mind is this energetic force that is separate from the brain, but inseparable. So it's kind of like around the brain yeah. and the body. We use gravitational fields and physics and quantum physics to understand mind. But it's it basically is operating at the moment as it's always operating. So as you as your listeners are listening, they're using their mind, their thinking, feeling, and choosing to process what I'm saying. And that processing is thinking, feeling, choosing. They push that through the brain and the brain responds by literally building what they're hearing and seeing into, into their brain as little protein tree-like structures. And that's changing the brain. That's neuroplasticity. And now this is happening all the time. From the moment you open your eyes and you start your day, you are experiencing life in its kind of experimental ways. And, and so in other words, everything that you open your eyes and everything that is happening as a, as a parent, mother, child, uncle, aunt, leader, business leader, whatever you do, whatever field you're in, it's your mind that is what's enabling you to actually experience life. Yeah. So if you don't manage it, it becomes a mental mess. So if you're a leader and you're not managing your mind and, and all of us need to manage our mind, no one's exempt from mind management. It means that your mind's messy, which means that your brain and body are messy. And that cumulatively increases your risk of mental and physical um, health issues. You know, and that's why I'm trying to teach people to be proactive and preemptive. So, just kind of in summary of that, if your mind is always on, always working, even when you're asleep, and your mind is always responding to experience, which means your mind is always changing. And because your mind uses your brain, your brain is always changing. That means that you may that if you don't manage that, pro it's happening regardless. So why not manage the process? Because if you don't manage the process, it's still happening, but it's happening in unmanaged. Right, and right. unmanaged leads to a mental mess. And you can hide it for a certain amount of time, but it will come out. So you can't release that supernatural power if you're operating in a mess. And yes. so many of us just kind of get satisfied or not even satisfied. We just live in the state of like, I just wish I had like, always had more peace and a sense of, I wish I could get my thoughts under control. And I wish this and that you can, that's the message. You can do self, you can learn how to do mind management. That's amazing. And I almost feel guilty even stopping you on that track because it's so packed full of content, what you're saying and so powerful, but I wonder sometimes, I think about there's so many people, leaders out there that express the supernatural but because they're living in a mental mess. That supernatural expression of God is almost expressed in a way that's not palatable for the person, the average person. They, they can't receive from certain people because it's coming through the filter of a messy mind can I say it like that or a messy unmanaged mind an unmanaged uh, I, I almost feel like an, a messy unmanaged mind always would equal uh, a messy leader in their leadership like that that exactly. leader can't be the leader they're called to be if their mind is full of clutter and they can't see straight Paul even said it we're transformed by the renewing of our mind and I think that's what you're you're hitting on. And I, I kind of want to stay in that vein because I know that a lot of people out there, leaders that maybe they're operating in the supernatural, they're doing amazing things. They're like Daniels in their field in politics, in business, they're doing amazing things, but maybe they're having a hard time getting a hold of their marriage and their kids and just being a good leader in the very basics of life because they're full of mental mess. You say one thing in your summary that I want to like highlight for a second. You talk about something called the neurocycle and how this relates to the five action-oriented steps to clean up the mental mess and how these steps help reduce anxiety and depression by up to 81% according to clinical studies. Can you elaborate on that? 
Mm, absolutely. And it's a good place to go because when we talk about mind and mind management and all the things you've already said, the immediate thing is how. And that's what the question I asked 38 years ago and that I had to try and solve for my patients that I was working with who had traumatic brain injuries and Alzheimer's and dementias and traumas and just battling with life. So from the extreme to the sort of average person and and what I would love to just stress before I dive into more about the neurocycle is that we live in a our life is like a continuum and in the middle is zero that then this side goes from one to ten and that side from imagine minus minus one to minus ten and think of a bell curve you all know what a bell curve is around uh, hovering around the minus four to plus four mark so in any one day as a human we are experiencing uh, we move between the minus four and the plus four so something great happens you wake up in such a great mood and then you have an email and you're not in a great mood and then this happens yes. in the business and you're not Beyond and you're that. not in and you like yeah and then then something great happens and you have yeah. a great discussion you go to plus four so we all hover and that's that is that that management of that is the first level where the neurocycle comes so in can, but, can i pause you there for a second is the plus four in the, on a scale of 10 is that how you're yes, looking at it so yes yes so if you think of zero in the middle and going from zero to plus 10 on the one side and then zero zero minus one to minus ten on the other side okay. so zero in the middle one to plus ten minus one to minus ten okay so that's just a, you know just to give people a, a sort of benchmark and then we the average person hovers around the minus four plus four some days you'll be in the plus region the whole day some days in the minus region the whole day some days it's hovering between the two the fact of the matter is that nothing each day it's an experimental thing and each day as you wake up and you respond we're going to make some of some great responses on the plus side, but we're going to also have negative responses. But how we manage the negative responses is massive in our cleaning up the mental mess because the negative responses are very normal. They're part of a learning experience. They're part of, and, and, and I want people to really hear this because we're so hammered, especially in the religious environments and especially with positive psychology concepts where if you make a mistake, it's a big sin or it's bad or you're supposed to be happy or you get your, you know, get gratitude, get positive affirmation. That it's not realistic. What's realistic is that every time you don't react like you should or you respond incorrectly, that's a learning experience. So instead of going into guilt and condemnation, you can actually say, okay, well, that was, I used that feeling of guilt and shame to spring board me into managing that and finding out why and then rectifying it. And that's wow. the kind yeah. of a basic principle of the neurocycle. Neuro means brain, cycle means to cycle through, using your mind to cycle through the brain. So it's the five steps. It's this neurocycling process that you're doing all the time now remember i said mind is always with you you wake up with your mind you go to bed with your mind mind is think feel choose mind is separate from the brain mind works through the brain the brain and the body respond to the mind okay so they're two separate things brains physical it's one brain and body are one percent of who we are mind is about 99 percent of who we are and mind has got the conscious element when you're awake and the non-conscious inner in element which is awake 24 7 so that's the um, that's always driving the non-conscious is where every experience we've had since in the womb to now is stored in these in these little tree-like structures called called uh, basically little tree-like structures that we'd call thoughts and so in the mind which is this gravitational field around you which is unique to you you've got these forests which are all your all your experiences and then in your brain you've also got these tree-like forests but they're made of proteins so the mind ones are made of gravitational fields the brain ones are made of proteins and that's every experience is built into the brain and the body 
and the mind. So three places. So that's why when we recall stuff, we also feel it because it's in the DNA of every cell. Now, this is quite profound and quite a lot to process, wow. but it, it's this is the enormity of our superpower. So as we are thinking, and I show with my clinical, my most recent clinical trials, as you process something, if you process, you have, let's say you have a, um, you, you have an argument or you have some a business issue that you've got to deal with that's quite serious or whatever. And so you've now got to deal with this. So a, a neurocycle would be how you manage your thinking, feeling, and choosing in that moment. And I'm going to explain what it is. And I'm just giving you the, the concept right, right. in that moment to make sure that you actually get wisdom and get your brain and body and mind functioning like it should. So in other words, you control the way you think, feel, and choose. So let's say your first reaction, let's say it's some kind of a business issue that's potentially a disaster. That could be a potentially be a, maybe not a disaster, but a problem. Let's take something not so extreme. So a business issue in your business as a leader and someone does something and it could be potentially problematic for the business or, or for whoever you're leading. Okay. Um, so now you would use a neurocycle because that's now you receive that with your mind. The person did it with their mind. You've got to solve it with your mind. Do you see where I'm going with yep, this? Yep. Your mind is doing all of it. Okay, so then we now you can generally people will re, you'll be triggered. That will be like an activated will trigger, and we will react. Oh gosh, that's irritating! Now look what you've done, and we'll immediately maybe get angry or mad. Maybe not. I'm just generalizing, but in the most cases, there's going to be a potentially negative response, a potentially minus four response or something. So let's say that that does happen, and you do get irritated, and you do get mad. Instead of now going, oh gosh, this is even worse and adding fire fuel to the fire and now feeling guilty and now this and now what are we going to do? And it just goes down a black hole. That's that's mind, that's mind unmanaged. That's mental mess. That leads to an immediate increase in inflammation in the brain and body. The two sides of the brain don't work together properly. Wow. The energetic levels don't work properly, right down to the level of the DNA. And you start feeling awful. And you get this, these, you know, maybe adrenaline rushes and and then that kind of can lead to a really negative day until you kind of get yourself back together again. So the neurocycle helps you to get yourself back together again. And in this example, on two levels, the one level is that, first of all, own it. Look at what your, your response to the situation first, before you look at the situation, because your response to the situation is actually going to make it worse because all that brain and body stuff I've just described has reduced your cognitive flexibility. So your intelligence. So here you're leading a group of people, this irritating thing, this potentially damaging thing has happened. But now you, because of your reaction, you've just reduced your, your wisdom level and your intelligence level. Right. How are you going to solve that? You're not. So what you've got to do is own your irritation, own your reaction, look at it as a useful messenger, as a helpful message, and learn from it. So say, okay, I'm irritated and I feel mad and I feel guilty for feeling mad. And you so then and that so that's gathering awareness. That's the first step. Gather awareness of, of your emotional signals and then gather awareness of your behaviors. Maybe you said something really ugly. And right. nasty, that person you like, like really you knew how to jab in the right place so that they feel awful about themselves and you feel bad about that. And maybe, and then look at your body, your whole body's tensing up. What are your physical warning signals? What's your perspective? Oh, this sucks. They've messed up again or whatever. No, that, so you, that's the first step. Gather awareness of how you have reacted because the first thing you want to do before you solve that problem, which you can also use a neurocycle for, is to get yourself back together. And right. then you would take those warning signals very objectively, like literally splitting yourself into two. So here's Caroline mental mess reaction, Caroline wise mind, or made in God's image wired for love mind, which is what neuroscience tells us our brain is wired for love. 
the mind brain research shows us our mind is optimism by survival is love we've all got that at our core so you you tap into that that very deep wise part of you by literally splitting back into two so here the incidents happens you get mad but you now as you do gather awareness you don't just gather awareness like all the stuff hitting you in the face you stand back and observe yourself you split into two you access your wise mind so you use your mind to fix your mind and then essentially you then go would gather those warning signals then you would go to step two which is then to reflect which is to ask answer discuss ask answer discuss doing like a wow. um, putting like a judge a detective why did i do that why did i react like that why do i always react to this and you start seeing oh i always react to this person in this situation or I always that kind of situation creates this or this is a consistent pattern and so you write that down because you're going to learn something from that just quickly write it down and i explain how to write in the book in terms of um the, there's a the way of writing in the third step that's called a metacog that is the quickest way of finding out why you do what you do as opposed to just writing in line so, so let me worth, just ask you a question would you say that the five the five steps that you're you're kind of diving into really are centered around our our the tools to help our reactions to situations and to uh, whether it's volatile, negative or positive. Basically, it's all about our how do we respond? Because you said a statement. You said you know we kind of step back, pull ourselves out. We apply these steps. It's is it centered around just our reaction? Is that really where you're going? Centered around your mind and your mind is your thinking, feeling and choosing. So thinking, feeling and choosing produces a thought which produces a reaction. So think right. of it like this. The situation happens and you get the, the, the evidence. They say this and, this person did this and this. That's information. You process that through your think, feel, choose mind and into your brain as a physical thought Powerful. and into your, and into your DNA and into your gravitational fields. You then have this thought and then from there you react. So what you want to do is that reaction came, listen to how I said you received it, you processed it, and then you built something and then you reacted. And you reacted so yeah. the reaction is the signal and the reaction encompasses your emotions, your behaviors, your perspective, and, and your um, the physical state that your body's in, hmm. the nonverbal communication, the gut-wrenching feeling, the anger, the tense shoulders, the GI, whatever. Yeah. So those four things are, are, are what you grab onto to go track back backwards what's happened so from those behaviors so you gather you step back and you gather awareness of those signals and then you can start working out why so those four comprise your reaction which came okay. from how you processed how you processed is think feel choose which is mind so our mind is our processor the mind is the great receiver and the processor and then our brain is the little storage compartment the converter of what we've processed into these physical structures and then our our, 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 then our brain and body um, can be used by the mind to express that in our behaviors, what we say, what we do. So the reaction, ah, that's so irritating. How did you do that? Now look what this is going to do. Or you did it again, something super sarcastic or whatever it is. So that that's the end, kind of like an end product. So that then becomes right. the start product of your neurocycle to think, why did I react like that? So then you gather awareness, emotions, behaviors, physical and perspective then you go into why did i do that right. ask answer discuss then you write that down because and each step has been scientifically and systematically worked out so you can't skip the steps because they have had years 38 years of neuroscientific research looking at when you do this this happens in the brain and the body when you do this this happens and so i've worked out the best combination of how you can get the most out of your mind so it's total self-regulation and i'm going to line this up with scripture in a minute 
Then you would recheck. Recheck is the fourth step. And that's where you go and make sense of patterns, mental autopsy. You make sense of what you've written because the right part just tends to be kind of a vomit on the paper. You just kind of pour stuff out where you start making sense and you start moving towards what can I do about this? How can I see this differently? How can I say, okay, well, I react like that in those situations. It seems to be when people say this kind of thing or that person says this kind of thing or this kind of situation, how can I manage that better? What is my reconceptualized version of that? So I recognize that as a pattern, but how can I view that differently so it doesn't make me so angry or whatever? And then that becomes then the first step, a little action that you can then apply. And that's the quick version. That's it, you would do it in the moment. But if it's a consistent pattern, Sean, then what you would need to say to yourself is, okay, I'll do this now in this five seconds that I've got all this five minutes in this situation so that I can now go into the neurocycle and solve the problem, which I'll do for you in a moment. Um, but this is a pattern. So you say to yourself, okay, I need to go and do a 63-day um, neurocycle where I apply these five steps every day for, 60, for over 21 days and then the fifth step for another 42 days and I'll tell you all the reasons why in a moment in order to really unpack why I've got this pattern in my life otherwise it's going to keep happening right and, and I probably, was going to say and I was just going to interrupt you for a second I was going to say before you went into that I was going to make an assumption that this is not just a, I apply the step in the moment to situations but this is a I got to like you, you mentioned this about how you you know we're called to build we need to build a new automated neural network and it takes 63 days to 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 build that. And so I I'm assuming my assumption was going to be that you know aside from these steps we have to do the back work the the work that nobody sees to kind of rewire and build what you call I don't even really understand fully what an automated neural network means. I'm going to explain it. But I can make some assumptions, but I'm assuming we're doing a lot of work behind the scenes to get to a place where we can actually apply these steps in our in, in, in our responses and our in our mind and our reactions to situations and people around us. Is that correct? Very, very insightful. Exactly. So when we talk about an automate, exactly what correct what you said. So just elaborate on what you're saying and to link what you're saying that we can apply this. It's excellent that you said that. It's very insightful that we can apply to situations, apply. In other words, behavior change. Not just, oh, I know I should be like that, but I'm not doing it and then leaving it there, which is what most people do, unfortunately. And that keeps the mental mess. It's going further and saying, okay, I know what I should be doing and this is how I'm going to do it. And then you do it. You actually do it. So to get to that place, right. you have to actually go and do the work, back-end work, as you said. And the research shows it doesn't take 21 days to change a behavior. It takes 63 at least, which is at least nine weeks. And it's very systematic. Your brain is a very neat. So, so just, to, just to debunk something, where did we get this idea that it takes 21 days and that's it? Like, do you know it's, where it came from, from? Yeah, I actually put it in my book. I put there where the source of that came from. It comes from a surgeon years ago who made it as a comment and who happened to observe something something anecdotally wrote about it and it got picked up and became a myth, which is tends to, you know, becomes a myth, wow. become, myth is something that's repeated. So there's no science Wild. behind it. And, you know, it's taken years for people to actually do science behind it. And there's very, very few people. It's myself and about five other people in the world who've actually done the scientific research, not just speaking about it. A lot of people will talk about habits take lots of time. We all know that everyone says that it's nauseating how many people say that. But there's very few scientific studies that actually show how long it takes. And that's what I've tried to do in what, what I've done in my research. But I mean, like at the same time 21 days seems significant because it's just times three 63 right so I'm assuming it is that very 
Yes, the three is very important, but they do different things. So the, we do have a change in 21 days, but we don't have a behavior change. What we right. have is we'll have a, um, we, let's say there's that pattern that you're always losing it in front of, and it just that same pattern of losing it with a work colleague happens at home, happens at, with friends, it happens in general. There's a pattern. Now, it's going to take you at least 63 days to unwire that pattern, to, and, but you can't unwire what you don't gather awareness of, and you have to find the origin of it. That started somewhere. So the principal operating is whatever you say and do has got an origin and what you need to do is find the origin so you manage it in the moment with the right. neurocycle but then you also use the neurocycle to do the back end work and then you would basically spend five, 15 to 45 minutes which doesn't take long in the morning if you preferably it doesn't matter what time of the day but morning's most recommended because your your brain is just good for it's just very good at that time of the in, in early morning times and sort of during up till about three o'clock is a good time to work on hard is this stuff. like pre-coffee or after coffee Oh, definitely after coffee, during <laughs> coffee, or pre-post, okay. no, lot. Coffee's, you know, that's God's juice. Blood. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so you basically work for five steps for 15 to 45 minutes daily for 21 days. At 20, By the 21st day, more or less, I mean, these are three-week cycles. Your body also works in three-week cycles for healing. So if you have a blister, it takes about three weeks to heal the blister. If you have a bad, a major surgery, it'll heal in cycles of three weeks. So every three weeks, you'll see a change. So there's, there's 21 days, more or less, you know, give or take a few days either side but these cycles of healing that happen but for wow. behavior change after 21 days we'll have a new thought that's been rewired so i'm holding up a wiry tree for those that can't see but i'm holding up a wiry tree and next to it i've got a healthy green tree and the healthy green tree would represent a healthy thought and all the branches and the roots would represent the memories in that thought. So for example, this conversation is about mind and brain and releasing your superpower. So that's the name of the thought. And as I'm speaking, you're growing all my words as root memories. So the source of this conversation and our questions are all going in the roots in your brain. And then the tree trunk is your perspective of what I'm saying. And the branches wow. and the leaves are how it manifests in your emotions and behaviors. And this then produces what you say and what you do. So this is healthy. But now let's say you have this toxic pattern of getting whatever that story is and it's produced a perspective. So it's a whole lot of roots, a whole, I'm holding up the, the toxic tree now and there's like these, all these wiry roots, all the roots are the memory. So a thought is a concept. So getting angry or a pattern of getting angry. Let's say that that's what it is. The, the, like a tree is made of branches, thoughts are made of memories. So the memories are the details of the story, the data, the information, the emotions, and the roots are the origin. And the tree trunk is your perspective that grew out of that origin story. So maybe as a, as a, as a, as a working in early, when you first started working or at school, you, there was something that you experienced that really, maybe you were bullied or something like that, or, and you had to become very defensive. And that defensiveness has produced a kind of perspective that, or a perfectionistic kind of attitude that everything okay. has to go right. Wow. And if it doesn't go, and then that's, so that's your interpretation. And you're going to have a whole bunch of memories about life, relationships, work, perfectionism is the drive. So you actually, that's what's driving from here. And maybe part of this was you have to be perfect. If you're not perfect, you're not accepted. So that manifests out in this pattern of if someone does something wrong, you're actually mad at yourself, but you're mad at them. It's coming out as mad at them. I'm just going down a track. But if you, right. this is what yeah. people, but you're not going to know that straight away. So right. the work of neurocycling daily is going to help you look at your warning signals, which are those, what I mentioned earlier on the emotions yeah. and the behaviors and all that stuff. You're going to reflect 
and you're going to write and you're going to recheck all of that's taking you down to the root so if you imagine yourself landing your helicopter flying above this forest of thoughts and there's all these beautiful green trees and there's this toxic cluster you land your thought your helicopter there and by the way in the helicopter you the pilot driving this thing and driving your thinking feeling choosing which leads to the reactions okay yep. and you, you're also your co-pilot so you a pilot and a co-pilot the co-pilot's the wise mind so you always want to ex you always want a co-pilot and you want to use your co-pilot so you land this tree with your co-pilot you get out with your co-pilot your co-pilot's keeping you safe and giving you wisdom and saying sean hey let's do this thing let's gather yep. awareness let's so it's kind of objective and you go through this process and you do it daily for 15 to 45 minutes day one you may discover nothing day two a lot more day three by day 21 you would have embraced processed and reconceptualized and built a whole new tree a neural network that's the neural network now you remember how you were you don't eliminate your story right. but your stories now become what you've learned what not to do and you've taken the lessons wow. from the story and you so mentioned and you mentioned the roots and i'm assuming that these are the same roots you're talking about when you said in your book you provide a scientifically supported plan to eliminate which is a very strong word exactly. eliminate the root of anxiety depression and intrusive thoughts. And I know that like that statement alone would spark huge conversation in so many circles yes. where people, it's almost like, and I, I don't, I want to be very careful how I say this, but mental illness for some people is like, um, I guess I can use the word crutch that they like to stay in and celebrate as this is just who I am. And we know even from like a biblical standpoint, that that's not who we are. We're not defined by the things we struggle with. It's not our identity. And so you're talking about, you're going after this thing at the root and you use the word eliminate. And I love that because that gives hope that these roots won't always have to linger. I think a lot of people think I'm always going to be like this or always going to be susceptible or always going to be connected, intertwined with anxiety, depression. Can you just can you continue on that a little bit because very you're talking good. about yeah, hitting the roots and let's talk about eliminating these roots. Okay, so eliminating it's a, it's an excellent question. So eliminating means that I don't take my story away, but I find out why I'm depressed. So instead of saying the identity I am depression, you get to the point where you say I am depressed because of, and this is how I manage it. Okay, and wow. that's what I show in my clinical trials. That's why I can claim the eighty-one percent. Why I can show that when you do that, your cortisol levels will drop, your glucose levels will drop, your homocysteine levels will drop, your DNA will change we wow. had people at the beginning of our study and i put it in the first half of the book very simplistically written but in our con at the beginning of our study whose biological ages were up to 30 40 years older than their chronological now what that means is that if you let's say you're 35 or you're 40 but your body is actually of a sickly 70 year old and how do we tell from that we look at your dna and we look at your dna it tells you how healthy your cells are and your cells make up your body so if wow. your cells are unhealthy mm -hmm. and you're making a million new cells every second if your mind's a mess you're making a million unhealthy cells which is putting aging your body so if so unmanaged anxiety and depression or mislabeled anxiety and depression and i'm going to elaborate on that in a second will cause us in our body so anxiety and depression good, yeah. are not diseases anxiety depression bipolar depression schizophrenia these are not diseases that are fixed that you have to live with like diabetes or cancer or something like that these are warning signals or symptoms of an underlying 
cause. So when I talk about eliminating, I'm talking about not seeing depression as an it or anxiety as an it. I'm saying see that or bipolar, these all these scary words, see them as messengers, helpful messengers that are telling you a story. Wow. The only way out is through. So you stay, they're coming off the tree. So as opposed to them being it, they are simply emanating. If you think of a, of a, of a rose, it has a, it has a perfume. That's like a signal of that's a rose. And you smell that and you know that's a rose. Um, you So the depression and anxiety are that kind of signal, but they're the, the toxic. So let's say it's a rotten plant and it's, it's like sulfuric, the smell. So the, so I'm just trying to give you the idea of a warning yeah. signal, your alarm. Maybe that's an easier one is your alarm. Your alarm goes off, it tells you something is going on. So depression is a symptom of an underlying cause. So instead of seeing depression as a label and an identity, which by the way, causes brain damage, shortens lifespan and all the sciences in my book, I explain that there in, in the book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Instead of seeing it as that, which is very unhelpful, you see it rather as a warning signal of an underlying cause. So you embrace it and embrace it by bring it in, celebrate it, not celebrating the depression and anxiety, but celebrating the message behind it. Thanking God for designing your body in such a way that I must, it's, that's, a, that's a wake up call saying, hey, there's something going on in your life. There's a reason you feel anxious and it's okay. This is the biggest part of what I'm telling you. It's okay because majority of humans on this planet, will everyone will experience depression at some point. Extreme depression, not everyone, but the majority of people will have bouts in their life where they experience extreme depression. People that have gone through tremendous trauma may stay in extreme depression for longer. It doesn't mean that they're ill. Yes, their body can get sick, so they can have illness in their body because the mind moves through the body and the body gets damaged and vulnerability to disease can lead to illness. But we can't say that mental depression is in the same league as cancer. There's a relationship because of the mind-body connection, but that's, it's not that the depression is in your brain as a chemical imbalance, which is a complete myth like the 21 days. Um, it's a complete myth. It's not jump waiting there to jump out at you. So, do you so think? You... Do you think somebody that's been struggling with depression, let's say for thirty years? I mean, and I know you've probably seen this in your studies and have testimonials of this. Do you? Can you apply the sixty-three day rebuilding your neural network to eliminate the roots of this for someone that's lived? in a cycle of it for 30 years, it's been on medication, or does this, does this 63 day scenario extend beyond for specific cases? Like what have you seen in your study? And on top of that, if you can just add on top of that, another side note question that connects to this is what do you think? Like when some, somebody's listening to this right now, they've struggled with depression, let's say for 15 years. And they're like, Oh my gosh, like she's making this statement. She's a professional. She's a doctor that I can eliminate this, not just medicate it, but eliminate it. And, but yet we know it's like anything in life that not everyone's going to do the thing to get the result. What do you think is the number one thing that stops people from either one hitting the 63 day mark? Like what do they need in their arsenal to push through to like actually see this thing eliminated? Um, and what do you see? So I know it's kind of two questions, but they kind of connect. So what do you, what do you yeah, think? So, about that? so first of all, someone who's been battling with depression for years, along with that, there would have been a lot of other emotions like anxiety and despair and lack of hope. And because nothing's ever in on its own, everything is what we call comorbid. So there'll be, be over, other things as well, but overarching depression. So 
to say to them that one cycle of 63 days is going to fix it is it would be unrealistic the basic format the basic principle operating is you work in cycles of 63 days very cycles, specific okay. so day one to 21 you do the five steps every day for 15 to 45 minutes not longer and then then you leave it for the rest of the day you just you do the first step uh, it, it's all very easily explained then from day 22 to 63 you're just doing the first step it takes you literally a minute a day so for the first three weeks you're doing you're spending between 15 and 45 minutes doing five steps from day 22 to 63 you're spending about a minute a day doing the fifth step now that completes one cycle in that process you will discover okay this is this is the route i've discovered one portion of the route but i need to come back and actually carry on so you might do another cycle and another one there's no cookie cutter formula there's no you do one cycle and your bipolar is healed no it doesn't work like that it is you as a unique individual we've had some people that they've done one cycle and they've got it under control and six wow. months later, they they have carried on and they've discovered even more. And, wow. you know, so there's some six. So in other words, it's it's a lifestyle. I'm not saying just do a one off. I'm not saying renewing of your mind is not a one off thing. I'm saying this is a lifestyle. Yes. You could spend the rest of your yeah. life doing these traumas and find that there's something else. OK, now let's say now you, you do your first neurocycle for starting to deal with the depression and you discover that, OK, it's definitely got something to do with the trauma. Then you do another cycle and you do and you it's totally unrelated it's maybe a bad habit like an argument you're always arguing with people and it's unrelated then in doing those two you get this insight hey that's related to my trauma right. i just got another revelation so you do another and so it goes so i'm on. hearing lifestyle repeat the cycle lifestyle over and lifestyle over, and over again. i'm got i'm it. yeah i am talking about bringing all thoughts into captivity and now what do you mind. think i'm giving the... you the science of that sean i'm actually giving the science of how to bring thoughts into captivity and renew your mind amazing Sorry, so now what do you think is the, the one of the main Roadblocks. Like for me, I would think, okay, just a lack of perseverance, for example. Someone starts out day seven, they don't see any crazy result, they give up. Like, what do you think in the psyche is the number one roadblock that either can or that 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 people have a hard time pushing through to stay on the path that you are leading them on? So one of the number one thing in this current era is the quick fix mentality. That's oh, a wow. big thing. I want to yeah. do it quick. I want five steps. I want to use the scripture as a band-aid, God as a genie, the positive affirmation, <laughs> say 10, you know, the five gratitude statements, drink the green drink, do the, you know, whatever. We want to go to, you know, and all of those are going to help, but not using scripture as a band-aid. But you have to be much deeper than that. We're deeply intellectual beings and we've become very hurry thinkers and quick fix mentality in our technological age. And I'm not anti-technology, it's amazing, but if it's mismanaged, it can lead to this. So that's one big part of our Absolutely. data accumulation environment that we want quick fix. The other thing is we have not had enough training as a society in the concept of mind needs work. From little, you've got young children. I, my kids are big now, but they've been trained in this from very little. We, we need to be training our kids and ourselves and recognize mind is malleable. That this, this is self, I'm talking about self-regulation. I'm talking about renewing of the mind. Ing is a present continuous. We're not supposed to be doing it now and then. It's all the time. Yes, Catch, bring all thoughts into captivity we we make we we build about eight thousand thoughts a day if not more maybe even up to one hundred and eighty thousand. we're not sure but we're building around eight to ten thousand and we are the building calls up seven to ten times that amount so in any one day you can have 
thoughts being built and thoughts coming up, the accumulation is your mind has got stuff going on all the time. If that is mismanaged, you get in a mess. So I'm talking about being able to stand back, observe your own thinking. And neuroscientifically, we see that we can do this every 10 seconds. I'm not asking you to take out your stopwatch and time yourself. I'm asking you to just use that as a concept of we can actually, we are designed to self-regulate through mind management. Renewing of the mind is pure mind management. What are you doing? You're supposed to watch your thoughts. Capturing your thoughts is self-regulation. Why must you capture a thought? Because the toxic thought is going to wreck you. If you stay in anxiety, your body, I showed in my, in my clinical trials, I give the knowledge and the evidence of why we need to mind manage. So my experience is helping people to, you can, you've got to give knowledge, change attitude and, and give skills. And so I try to give people, help people to get excited and get hope. And that's an attitude shift. So my whole thing is, this is something, I, that's why I tell you about the brain, the power of the mind. So I'm giving you knowledge that is exciting and hopeful. The other thing is I've done the research. So there's pictures in here. I've got colored brains of, of when, when you're doing, when, when you're doing and telomeres and things that when you do this stuff, these are just inside the brain. That blue means wow. extreme depression. And the gray part means that the brain is normalized. Wow. And that's through mind management in 63 days and sustained at six months and, and, and longer. So wow. essentially, the thing that we need for people to shift is to realize I'm in a quick fix mentality and that's not right. Things take time. We're designed for deep intellectual thought. We're designed to take the time to process and understand our narrative and not try and just suppress every, see every emotion. Oh, I'm feeling depressed. That's bad. Let me get it. Oh, I'm clinically depressed. Let me go to the doctor. Let me just suppress it. No. Say, yay. What are you telling me? And take the time to embrace and to actually take the time to deep think through. In the West, we have a very, very strong philosophy of if there's a negative emotion, and the, unfortunately, the churches are really bad at this too. Ah, yeah. oh, that's bad. It's a sin. Let's suppress it. You suppress it. It hasn't gone anywhere. You push it into your brain and your body. You've created a potential brain damage and potential illness. But if you, if you face it, if you bring it up, it becomes weakened. You shift the power balance. You bring the control back. Then you access your wise mind, which is talking to God. Then you are going to be able to renew, fix it. So that is where you can shift is when people get that realization. This is the knowledge of how my brain works. And there's the pictures and evidence. This is exciting. I do have hope. I can do this. Your mind is always working. I mean, think of this. You can go three days without food, three weeks, uh, three weeks without food, sorry, three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen, but you don't even go three seconds without thinking. So knowing that, knowing that I'm wow. always thinking, feeling, and choosing, my mind's always in action and I can control it is motivating, it shifts attitude. Then I give you the knowledge and the skills of how to do it. That combination will enable people to then, you know, move forward in, in, in a direction that is positive and constructive. Wow. Jesus did it in the garden. If you want a model for mental health, Jesus shows us embrace, process, and reconceptualize. Jesus got in the garden and faced, sweated blood, showing mind-body integration, interaction. Jesus showed that in the garden, when you that you don't just run from your problems, you face them. That wasn't a nice thing that, that God was that Jesus was facing. And we don't fully we say sins of the world. We don't even know what that means. That means that there's a whole bunch of stuff that we as humans are facing. It's just a it's a it's basically a metaphor for saying, Sean, you're gonna face stuff in your life. And I know you personally, so I know you have faced stuff in your life. Yeah. I've faced stuff in my life. And that's the big stuff. We've also got the small stuff every day. Jesus says, face it, embrace it. It's gonna be hard, you're gonna sweat blood, and that can actually happen if you are stressed enough, you can burst capillaries. So it's showing the mind-brain interactions. So Jesus models that scientific concept jesus yeah. experienced depression anxiety all these things because that's what we are those are signals of an underlying 
symptom. Jesus has to, you know, like right. face the cross. It's kind of scary. Yeah. And then it got worse before it got better. Yeah. Jesus got beaten. Then Jesus got put on the cross. You know, so it gets worse before it gets better. As you face your painful past, to, to shape it to how you, to, to face, it's very painful. But your past doesn't have to shape you. Your past, you can decide how you want your past to play out into your future. So when I say eliminate, I'm talking about embracing, processing, and identifying. And basically rising up with the wounds in your hands. Your past is your story. And if it's a trauma, obviously that's unfair. That was, you're a victim. We're not trying to get away from that. But that, you, you can stay that or you can reshape it. You can decide how it wants you want it to play out into your future. And, you know, that's the shift. That's the difference. How you can, anyway. That's, that's amazing. That's so powerful. I think uh, ultimately, I think the last two convos that will, this is the second convo, but the last, this one and the last one, the one thing that keeps coming back to mind, and I think it applies to even more to leaders out there that want to express the supernatural is that if we're going to have mind management in our leadership, we need to develop this lifestyle of processing all the emotion, processing all the stuff. Like really what you're saying is continual, a continual or continuation of processing all of this stuff. Like Jesus, you're awake. You need to do it. Yeah. Process the emotion. He processed it. We can't stuff it. We can't bandaid it. We can't just say a few scriptures, decree a few things, you know, like you said, like our gratitude for the day to have a good attitude, you know, yeah. and all these things like they're okay but they don't eliminate. And that's what your book is talking about. And I would just love for you as we close here, just let us know. Cause I want to encourage all the listeners out there to grab this book. I know for me now, my appetite is super wet to buy this book. Cause everything you're saying is just full of incredible wisdom, knowledge, but also study and years of research. And so I know so many people are going to be so helped by this book. So how do we get it? I know it comes out March 2nd. Can we pre-order it? Where is it? Where do you sell it? Absolutely. So it comes out, it's on pre-order at the moment. It comes out March 2nd, as you said. They can go to cleaningupyourmentalmess.com and get it wherever books are sold. Basically, wherever books are sold. Or they can go to my website, drleaf.com. They can go to my social media, Dr. Caroline Leaf. Everything, they can get to it from there. And there's a lot of pre-order bonuses at the moment, like a free book club. And um, there's extra chapters and workbook and you know, I've got a NeuroCycle app. I've got an app as well that goes with the books that teaches you how to NeuroCycle. It's like literally having therapy. They get a free month of that wow. on the pre-order. So the pre-order bonuses are fantastic. That's really a, yeah. So go to wherever books are sold. Awesome. And we'll put that, that information up in the, the bio for this or the description for this podcast episode. But one last thing as we close, Dr. Caroline, I would love it if you, we, at the end of every episode on this podcast, we try to give our listeners an activation of some sort? How do we apply something that we gleaned from this episode? Can you give us one thing, just one? I know that we want to wait for your book because your book's full of activations, but can you give us one thing that we touched on in this episode that would help our leadership moving forward, at least while we wait until your book comes out? Absolutely. Well, one thing I would say is that if you get in, sort of get the concept of you can't control the events and circumstances of life but you can control your reactions and those reactions are coming from how you think feel and choose i think that's incredibly important to remember that that you can control your thinking feeling and choosing because that's what's behind your reactions and i think that gives people a lot of hope and then the other thing is that your mind is always with you you wake up with it you go to bed with it you do everything with your mind so if your mind is always operating why don't you want to learn how to regulate your mind 
And then the other thing is self-regulation is very natural. We just, we just have to develop it. So it's a natural skill that's there. It's a natural, not even a skill. It's a natural thing that we do. But what's, what we're not doing, though, is we're not developing. It's like anything. You, you have muscles, but you need to develop them. You have a gut, but you have to eat, you know, to grow. So we've got to do the same thing. We've got to build our brain and neurocycle through our brain. Did you want an actual technique as well? No, I think that's great. I just, yeah, I think we try to give some sort of a practical application is like, you know, I'll say stuff like, hey, I want you to journal this for the next, you know, 30 days, or I want you to think on this one thing for the next 10 days or... Um, okay, you know. so I'll give you I'll give you a preparation for neurocycling, a preparation thing. So it's called the multiple perspective advantage. So bearing in mind the three statements I just gave you, multiple the multi- perspective, perspective advantage, advantage okay. is the is how you can learn to self-regulate because self when mind management is self-regulation. So when we talk about self-regulation and mind management, um, we're talking about getting into a state where you actually do bring every thought into captivity. Bringing every thought into captivity means every thought, not just some, which means all the time, every second of the day, you're supposed to be regulating your thinking, feeling, and choosing and the thoughts you build and the thoughts that are coming up. So to get into that self-regulated state, which prepares you then for doing the neurocycle where you can capture them and actually now work through them and, and learn to reconceptualize them, is you can you get into the state which is creating this space, which I kind of described earlier on, multiple perspective advantage. We are designed with the advantage to have multiple perspectives of a view. So you, you can be, it's a bit like if you go, if there's a big apple tree in an orchard and there's tons of apples on it and you bump it and you're standing under it, all the apples hit you on the head and it's just overwhelming. You don't want that, but that's how we often go through life. We just like try and get yeah. through the apples. Yeah. I'm saying stand back, multiple perspective advantages, stand back and split into those two so pilots good. and co-pilots and stand wow. back and observe as pilot and co-pilot what's going on. Wow. And then you get multiple perspectives and draw on your wise mind versus. So then it's not you, it's you. Oh, I'm such a mess. I can't do this. Yes. Let's see why. Let's gather awareness. Let's, so that you've got, you go into those two perspectives, wow. stand back, stand back and observe your own thinking, feeling and choosing. If wow. you try that like now for the rest of the day, be very aware of like your body. Like now we talk, you and I can see each other. I'm very aware of my hand movements, my facial expression, the way I'm using my words, your facial response. I'm watching our interaction. If I go from here into a conversation with my team, I'll be very aware of how I express myself, what their reactions are, what they're saying back. Try that. Be very, very deliberate and intentional about getting into this multiple perspective, co-pilot, pilots, creating space, wow. state, and it will launch you and, and and start you in the process of then being able to really neurocycle well. That's amazing. I just hear in that process, Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Just take a step back, get a different view, different optic, different perspective, and it's going to change the game on how you react so does I, I great things that. in your brain too. Does great stuff in your brain. Get your brain into that state where you can actually access wisdom. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Caroline Leaf. I want to My encourage pleasure. everyone listening to get her book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and Toxic Thinking. The information will be in the description on this episode. Once again, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to our Supernatural Leadership Podcast helping you, the leader, become a little more supernatural. Please like, review, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Share it with your friends. I know it will be a powerful encouragement for their leadership moving forward. We will see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. 
We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.